But now I've come to realize that qualified and experienced candidates get rejected for all kinds of legitimate reasons outside of their control. It might be COVID. You know, in this case, by by way of example, the jobs are only filling six weeks. Like it was still posted up after five months. I just happened to notice that. And what that told me was that they probably cut the budgetary authority because of COVID. Or there are situations, I've had situations where I've had phone screens that didn't move forward, even though the interviewers seemed to like me a lot because they went, I found out later on just by happenstance that they already filled the position with an internal candidate that got on site before I did. Someone that is rejected from Amazon, you know, if they have all the other qualities and all the other experiences, that one or two rejections shouldn't dissuade them. Hi everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast. I am thrilled, completely thrilled, to welcome our new guest today. Um, I'll turn it over to him in a second. Let me uh, provide a very brief overview before that. His name is Martin, and Martin is incredibly inspirational for me, and I'm sure he will be uh, to you in a little bit because he has been applying for a role at Amazon over quite some time. And uh, the impressive piece is that he actually was hired at Amazon. He applied for a level six uh, senior financial analyst position and he got an offer. And at that point, he chose to proceed by following his entrepreneurial dream uh, over joining Amazon. Uh, unfortunately, the startup didn't work out necessarily as often happens. And uh, Martin went back to the drawing board and um, resumed applying to Amazon. And uh, this time he actually applied for an even uh, different functional position. He applied for a senior business analyst position, another L6, very senior level position, as uh, those of you who uh, interview for Amazon know. And uh, unfortunately, he was not hired uh, during this second virtual on-site loop. But um, in typical Martin fashion, he continues to run up the hill and knock on the door. He's incredibly inspirational. He was uh, one of the very early customers of our Premium Plus package. And uh, I'm just thrilled to have Martin on the program. And without further delay, I'd like to welcome him. Welcome, Martin. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. Great, great. Could you, just to get us going, could you um, tell us about yourself, please? Yeah, just to offer some clarifications there. Um, my background was in financial services out of college. I spent a decade. Um, both as an employee and also as an entrepreneur, actually, in, in private wealth management. And then after 10 years, for various reasons, I pivoted to corporate FP&A. So, you know, the, for, the traditional financial planning analysis functions, financial forecasting, budgeting, uh, business analytics for a large hospitality company. And then I went to a SaaS startup in the telecom space for three years. I was the vice president of finance there, which was kind of a strange move. And then I was the VP of finance for a struggling logistics startup. Uh, that I was able to turn around. And so on the way out of the logistics startup, I was actually, uh, I was actually offered a, an SFA role at, at Amazon. And I didn't quite turn it down to go to a startup. It was to be a CEO in residence at a startup accelerator in Asia. So when I got the offer, I received the offer at the same time for something in Hong Kong, uh, where I went out there and I was leading as a CEO, non-technical co-founder uh, for a bunch of deep tech projects. And now after this whole thing with the, um, the, the rejection for the SBA role, I'm now uh, the co-founder and the head of product for a SaaS play in the, actually the financial modeling space. A lot of the people we, uh, who listen to the podcast, a lot of people we work with, they, they, as they should, hold Amazon is in a very high regard. And it's so incredibly rare to 
to talk to someone like you who is uh, who's who's completely courageous and has uh, kind of stormed inside the castle only to continue to pursue um, a different dream, which is just as worthwhile. Um, so, j j just to just to tell us a little bit more about, give us maybe put us in a in a shotgun seat in your in your experience as you interviewed with Amazon because that's what a lot of our a lot of our listeners are going through as we speak. And I don't know how we best do this because you're such a unconventional, uh, your, your experience with Amazon is so, has been so unconventional, but maybe the next few questions, if you can give us the best of the Reader's Digest version of either of the two uh, interview loops, that maybe would, would work. How did, you, how did you get involved with Amazon? How did they find you? Did you seek them out? Uh, what was the process there? Yeah, so after I left the uh, SaaS startup that I've been at for three years, I applied for a finance manager role, which, you know, I, I, at the time I was quite frankly not knowledgeable about the leveling there. And, and that was too high of a role. And then a few months later when I was on vacation, they actually reached out to me and they sort of preempted any concerns. And they said, hey, the leveling here is very unique. We'd be interested in having you interview for a, a senior financial analyst role, which is one rank down. And so that's how the conversation started. And then after I did that thing in Asia, I contacted them and said, hey, there's been an issue right now with the project I'm working on. You know, it, it ended. And so I'd like to apply again. And they had me look at a bunch of finance roles, but eventually they put me in an interview for a, a senior business analyst role, which I didn't even apply to. So that's, that's how they found me the second time. <laughs> Great. So you're, you're a known quantity to them now, <laughs> I guess. Um, so how did you prepare for the interview? A lot of the, the people who are listening are just heads down now and they're getting stressed and they're looking at all these different, they're reading all these resources online and they're looking at all these different pieces of advice to prepare. What did you do? And you obviously were very successful with them in, in, your, in your interview process. What did you do to prepare for your interviews? Well, before I met you, I, I kind of think the table stakes is, is reading through Amazon's leadership principles and trying to align a number of different stories in your background to each of those leadership principles to make sure that you don't have any overlap. I think it's table stakes to look at Glassdoor and look at, because we, we know that 20% of the questions are technical in nature. I think it makes sense to look at the senior financial analyst roles and the finance manager stories and see what kind of question, what kind of technical challenges were given. Okay. Um, I also read uh, two of the most recent annual reports, you know, in preparation for these interviews. Um, after meeting you, what, we did the mock interviews. And I think one of the really helpful takeaways there was the importance of being succinct in, in the answers. Um, I think that's an area that I definitely needed improvement on when I, when I first met you two years ago. And then I, I would say that before the SBA role that I, I looked at, it required a, an intermediate knowledge of, of computer languages as well as specific ETL programs that I went and I got certified in those before the, the live loop. Wow, that's, that, that's so incredibly impressive. It sounds like you went above and beyond and, and looked at a bunch of annual reports to prepare for the, for the financial position in addition to everything else, in addition to us working together. And then for the business, for the senior business analyst position, you actually certified yourself in a bunch of uh, different areas that you weren't exposed to in your, in your previous or current finance life. So that's, I think that's a great takeaway how you can effectively, you cannot prepare enough and uh, just focus on being succinct, focus on your behavioral stories and make sure that you double down on the leadership principles, but also pay a fair amount of attention to your functional preparation as well. And then, and then the big interview day comes, or in your case, the big two interview days. <laughs> How did that go? 
I'd say the first one went pretty well. Obviously, I was advantaged because of just a combination of preparation, also because it was a finance person applying for a finance role. I, I don't think there was a single question in there, both on a technical level or a behavioral level, that really surprised me. Let's just say 25 questions asked by five different interviewers. There was probably only one experience that I thought was unusual or, or even remotely negative. And I, I certainly hope that by answering this question that it doesn't in any way taint the, the, the impression I, I want to give or that I have of, of Amazon is that one of the finance managers asked me to explain a financial model, what kind of analysis that I had done. And he had three or four follow-up questions where I went through it. And at the end of it, he's, after I had boiled it down to the, the most detailed level of granularity possible, he sort of said, well, what analysis did you do and what were your assumptions? <laughs> and I wasn't sure if he was, if this was like a test of how I would behave under stress or if it was some intentional gaslight for some reason. But I, I sort of said like, well, these are the assumptions and you know, you can clarify. And he sort of reprimanded me. He says, well, you know, we spent more than three minutes on this. So you have to be more concise. I didn't know what to make of it because it was my first interview in the morning, but th those fears sort of, those concerns faded away based on the strengths of the subsequent interviews. For the SBNA interview, the thing I noticed was that half the people I ran into, both at lunch and also in the, in, the real, in the real interviews, was that they were very surprised after my experiences as a CEO in residence for, for some tech startups, that I would want to work as an individual, granted a senior, but, but still an individual contributor at a large company. And the exact words that you used were, you know, you've spoken to investors, you've, you've changed company culture, you've, you've done hiring. You, you've changed both the, strat the strategy and, and the product line of a company. Like, why would you ever want to come work at a large company as, as a cog in the wheel? At, you know, which, which was unexpected, to be honest. And then the other, the other half of the people said, you know, we can understand your interest in Amazon, but what was your interest in this role? And I didn't want to lie to them. I said, well, actually, like I looked at 100 finance roles that all looked identical, and they put me in for a loop for the business role. I, I don't know how that played into the decision for decline. Yeah, no, this is, this is, there's so much to unpack here. And I think something that potentially might have happened to others or people should potentially get ready for is you, you just don't know what the incentive is when, when these interviewers are, are grilling you with these questions, right? And as, as you shared in, in the first loop, the successful one for the finance position, you spoke with this quite a bit antagonistic by the sound of it person who was was maybe challenging you and yet the outcome was was beneficial and then in the in the second loop there were some maybe half of the people were were understanding of why we're doing this other the other half or or a significant majority maybe were were pushing to try to find what exactly drives you and so on and so forth so i think one of the takeaway here is it doesn't necessarily it's not very productive to try to reverse engineer what the person's asking i think the the underlying maybe piece that we can control is to focus on on the mental framework, to focus on your preparation, dig in, believe in yourself, follow the the mental outline of the behavioral, the, the star slash soar responses. Try to do as best a, a job as possible in your functional responses, and and see where the where where the die falls. So, how did you feel at the end of the interview? So you walk out of the you walk out of this gauntlet of uh, <laughs> five or six hours. Uh, worth of interviews. How, how did you feel? I know that I complained about how the first finance manager had sort of grilled me, you know, what I, what I think was unnecessarily, but I was pretty confident after five interviews. The last interview was with a senior finance manager and, and he actually had a CFA. I had actually been through the, the first level of the program. And he asked me, you know, the, the thing was that I felt like I had demonstrated um, expertise and I answered the questions pretty well about 
um, strategic changes I had made through financial data in, in the third and fourth interview. And when I got to the fifth interview, he asked me some technical questions that were straight out of the CFA textbook. And I was thinking like, thank God I had studied, thank God I had spent all those hours like studying that stuff. Like overall, I felt pretty strong. I mean, you figure that what, out of 25 questions, you know, doing well on say 23, 24 of them, I, I expected an offer. Uh, for the SBA role, it was, it, was un, it, was, it was really hard to read because the hiring manager was, he's, he seemed like, it, it seemed like I had won his confidence and I had kept it throughout the entire process. In fact, after the first phone screen, he had told me that he was going to ask HR to skip the second phone screen. Okay. So that, that gave me a positive signal. And then he also told me to start, you know, beefing up on my SQL, my Alt-T-Rex, my Tableau, you know, data vis, it's a data visualization program. Um, he told me to like start looking at those on Google, just making sure that I understood, I understood what they were. And so when I showed up to the interview, he was very surprised that I actually gotten certified in, in some of these programs. And I was, I was ready to go. I mean, maybe not as proficient as some of his analysts that were already working there, but you know, good enough to at least pull my weight or at least speed up the training. Right. Actually at the end of the interview, and I don't, I, you know, I, I hope that, you know, I'm not outing someone for breaking protocol. He actually, uh, we actually were kicked out of the room at four o'clock. And he actually found an empty room and he kept me for an extra hour because he wanted to like learn more about me and he wanted to run me through more SQL exercises. I, I felt like that played in my favor. At, at the end of the day though, I, I still had some concerns with other people on the team, you know, maybe because I hadn't done as well on a different technical question. There was one question I didn't do well on, which was on process improvement. And, and now with the benefit of hindsight, I know we talked about preparing with, you know, certifications or like reading other stuff. If, ever, if Amazon has a lot of Six Sigma require you know listings on their job requirements there's probably a good reason for that and and you know the, in hindsight if i had taken the six sigma program more seriously i definitely would have hit that question continuous improvement a lot better than i did it's remarkable again to hear you describe how how the process went and how elaborate it was at this point i should i should insert the additional caveat that you did go through this incredible amount of preparatory work for the senior business analyst role and even if the final result wasn't a success, throughout the process and through the responses and the reaction of, of, the, of, the, of the potential hiring manager, and I'm sure others on the loop, the, the, a lot of those people walked away incredibly impressed. And uh, I mean, people generally, an Amazon interviewer generally wouldn't spend an extra hour with someone if, if they didn't think that this person would be a future colleague of theirs. So I just can't stress enough how important it is to go the extra mile similarly to what you've done and certify yourself in a field that maybe you didn't know before or go the extra mile because that reveals in an incredibly unambiguous fashion how you raise the bar on learn and be curious and bias fraction and invent to simplify and even if the outcome is not successful I'm sure there are their commentary in the feedback of the loop that speaks to, to that area where you impress the, the, the loop. Let's go back to the initial loop, the, the senior financial analyst loop. Uh, how did you celebrate once you found out that you were hired? I was applying for that very competitive deep tech accelerator in Asia. And I was simultaneously applying for Amazon. And as you may recall, I was crossing my fingers that I would get one of them. I, I honestly didn't, I thought it was wishful thinking to think that I would get both offers, especially yeah. at the same time. And so I had to make a very simple but difficult decision to turn down Amazon. So the first, but the first, but to answer your question, the first thing I did was I actually called my mother for, for personal cultural reasons. My mom is always worried 
that I wouldn't have a quote unquote real job at, at a stable company like a like a government or or a large tech company like a Facebook or Google or whatnot. And she was very very excited to hear that I got an offer that paid pretty well. But she was also very angry that I told in the same sentence that I was going to turn them down to go run a bunch of chaotic, dysfunctional, early stage startups in another country. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. It, it's, it's incredible. Again, you, you, you're such a source of inspiration for, for a lot of us. A- along those lines of, of unusual and um, unforeseen things, what is, um, my next question is, could you please share with us what is a very memorable part of, of these uh, interview loops that, um, that stayed with you, whether it was usual or funny or unusual? What is one anecdote you could share with us? You mean impressive in, in the sense of how I impressed the interview or how, how Amazon impressed me? I, I, either one. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, maybe, I'll maybe start out here and with your permission, I'll disclose this, this one piece of information of how for, uh, for the second loop, for the, for the senior business analyst loop, you were at the time in, in Asia, you were in Hong Kong and COVID was just descending on us. And you actually, I think, volunteered to fly over to Seattle and interview in person uh, over, instead of over, over video connection. And they, they asked you, Hey, Martin, could you please, uh, self-quarantine? And you said, yeah, no problem. And, and you, and you actually quarantined yourself for a couple of weeks and, and then they took your word for it. And then they interviewed you in person. So this is a pretty unusual set of, of events that happened. So I'm just curious to find out what, what stayed with you. Yeah. Well, well, the whole thing with the, the whole COVID and this being overseas is I went over there to see the demo day for the, to support the people uh, in my cohort. I was actually at a trip planned for both Hong Kong and Singapore. And I was at the same time I was applying to, to Amazon and they said, yeah, we can take you at the end of February. And I sort of plotted out that I would spend 14 days in, in the, in the West coast. And, and they were too, pol- and at the beginning, they were honestly too polite to ask, but I want to do it voluntarily because I was, I was scared to death. What happens if, I go there, I interview, and the next day someone at Amazon reports a COVID case and makes national news. And they're like, okay, well, this is the guy that just came back from Asia. So I made sure to self-quarantine. And then the day beforehand, they just, they, they didn't say anything accusatory. They just asked me like, hey, what's your situation been? Have you, have you been in Asia before? And I, I explained to them, it's been 14 days self-quarantine. In terms of impressive stuff, I would say that I'm continuously impressed with Amazon's professionalism and structure. It gives me a lot of confidence to be going after an employer that I know is, is trying to do their best to make a very subjective process structured and objective. That, no, that creates a lot of trust with me. And in terms of funny, I'll, I will say this, is that working in a, in, in a startup that doesn't have, I wouldn't even say a bad culture, but in the beginning, it doesn't even have a clearly defined culture where you hold people accountable to a certain way of thinking or behaving is very problematic for a lot of reasons that I don't have to get into this call. The thing is that when I was at two startups where I created cultural maxims or leadership principles that were kind of akin to what you would see at an established company like a Netflix or an Amazon. And we changed the company by having people buy into this and it percolated into obviously our hiring process because how you spend money and how you make hiring decisions, that says a lot about your culture, right? Um, so when I was asked about a time during an interview to talk about dissent, I thought, well, there was one time where we had spent a great amount of time planning out leadership principles and whatnot and interviewing a a senior engineer. And the thing that upset me was that after the interview happened, everybody ignored what was said in the interview or what wasn't said in the interview. And they started going back to their, they started backsliding saying like, oh, we should hire this person because they worked at this company or because 
they've got these life experiences and they've worked overseas in this many countries or completely ignoring everything about the lack of cultural fit or the lack of communication ability. And unfortunately, unfortunately, they overrode my advice and they, they hired the person and they ended up having to fire him after six weeks. And, and the whole thing there was it, was, it was to say like, this is something that, this is part of the reason why I wanted to join a place like Amazon, because that would never fly at a place like Amazon. And th the guy had been essentially mute. The inventor had been essentially mute the entire call. And he just broke, he, he just broke frame. He just started cracking up. <laughs> he just started cracking up. He was probably thinking this is totally amateur hour. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's, it's so interesting to see how, you bring this very diverse experience to Amazon and it's up to him to the Amazonians to, to evaluate this experience and, and determine if you're a fit vis-a-vis -vis their leadership principles. And, uh, and they made that, that determination once. I'm sure if you are willing to keep giving them the benefit of the doubt and keep applying there, I'm sure they'll do that again. And it's going to be up to you if you want to, if you're going to say yes, the second time around a different question, what would you do differently in hindsight? Now, if you could talk to your pre-Amazon interview self now, what are some of the things you're going to, uh, to change, you think? If I was allowed to travel back in time and coach my former self, there's three or four things I'd cover. The first thing I'd cover is, is like we mentioned before, like the leveling issue. The second thing I'd cover is probably the delivery, like the concision. The third thing I would say would probably be the, the selection, being a, more, being a little more tight about the, the role that I'd be looping for. And the fourth thing, like what you said, was, was sort of about rejection, which I, I want to expand upon. So the first thing about leveling is that I think there's a lot of people, and I would put my old self in this bucket, they don't want to go from being a VP of finance to being a senior financial analyst or a finance manager, right? And I think, you, I think one of the first things you taught me was that Amazon does a great job of paying people and giving access to interesting projects, interesting coworkers, and quite frankly, having a large impact, whether that be measured operationally or financially. Yes. And so a VP of finance at a fast growth startup might be making the same amount of money as a senior financials at Amazon, but the difference is the person at Amazon is wielding a sword that is covering 100x revenue or 100x expenses. So that's not a good reason why someone shouldn't apply for, for senior financial analyst role. The second thing I would say is like concision. I think that over time I've learned that there was sort of an insecurity of, I want to prove myself that I was there in the trenches, that I'm not riding off someone's coattails. I was the one making the decisions and, and I'm not trying to take someone's work. And I think that, that sort of like led to the long-windedness. And, and so that's kind of been cured. I think the third thing I would say is, is sort of like the selection of the, the, the whole SBNA role. And I don't know how, how other candidates, how, what their experience has been, but if Amazon is sort of asking questions about, hey, you know, your, your resume screams finance, like, are you sure you want to apply for this? It doesn't really matter whether or not I feel comfortable with the job, whether I'm confident in my ability. They have their own way of thinking based on viewing hundreds, if not thousands of past candidates and employees. And so maybe in hindsight, I should have declined the offer and said, you know, I'll wait for a, a finance role to, to open up. And, and then the last thing I would say is rejection is that you talked about how things don't work out and that I should, I should be happy about my preparation. I, I think that two years ago, I probably would have needed that kind of pep talk. But now I've come to realize that qualified and experienced candidates get rejected for all kinds of legitimate reasons outside of their control. It might be COVID. You know, in this case, by, by way of example, the jobs are only fill in six weeks. Like it was still posted up after five months. I just happened to notice that. And what that told me was that they probably cut the budgetary authority because of COVID. Or there are situations, I've had situations where I've had phone screens that didn't move forward, even though the interviewers seemed to like me a lot, because they went, I found out later on just by happenstance 
that they already filled the position with an internal candidate that got on site before I did. Someone that is rejected from Amazon, you know, if they have all the other qualities and all the other experiences, that one or two rejections shouldn't dissuade them. I completely agree. I can't say enough how much I agree with, with everything you said, just to touch base on a couple of, a couple of the major points you made. Starting with concision and, and being succinct, I, I completely agree with you. Just answer, it's a best practice just to answer the question you asked and move on and shut up. It's natural human behavior, as you mentioned, for us to keep talking and keep seeking that, that nod of approval or the interviewer to chime in and, and give us some sort of validation, but that potentially could backfire. So yes, keeping it very behavioral, your response behavioral, keeping it data-centric, and just shutting up is, is the best remedy to that. And then the second, among many others, important thing you said was how you have to have faith in yourself, right? You have to believe in your preparation. You have to stick to the mental framework. You have to stick to the process. And if something is outside of your control, then don't let it rattle you. As you said, there could be a, a myriad of reasons why they elected not to hire you for this business role, right? It could be most likely that maybe COVID got in the way and, and downsize their budgets. Maybe the hiring manager really, another reason could be the hiring manager really loved your fit with the leadership principles and with the culture, but the role required a bit more functional depth and he wasn't able to dissuade the rest of the interview loop that you're the best applicant for that. I mean, there could be a number of other reasons that are not at all reflective of you being poor interviewee or a candidate. And again, if you just keep knocking on the door, sooner or later, it's going to open. Uh, let's see, a couple of more questions. Recently, we've started, we've adopted this new format where we ask previous guests on the podcast to come up with questions for the follow-on guests. <laughs> so our previous guest, uh, her name is Pam. She came up with the question, and I'm sure you're going to appreciate this because I think it fits your story very nicely. Why do you keep doing this? Why, and Pam's story, for those of you folks who are listening, if, if you don't remember, she was similarly to Martin. She was running up the hill over and over and over again, and she was recycled and rejected and whatnot, and eventually she got hired. And her, her question for our next guest, Mr. Martin, is uh, what makes you want to do it over and over again? What is keeping you coming back after you got rejected? I think that question is kind of broken up into three different layers. The first thing is, there's sort of an implication there that if someone gets rejected, they should be dissuaded. And we sort of cover about why I don't feel that way anymore. The second thing is, do the reasons, the reasons why you originally applied, are they relevant to your situation? Are they still valid? And the third thing is, is there something I can do today that makes me a more qualified candidate than the last time? And the answer is to these three, if these three layers are positive, there's no reason to stop. And so I had very specific reasons for wanting to join Amazon. One of them is the fact that they have an established culture, which is something that is unique, especially for a company of that size, to have literally hundreds of thousands of people singing from the same hymn sheet. That just creates so much predictability and so much more performance. You know, I've seen what happens when you don't have a culture or you don't have the right culture in a 20-person company. Having the access to the people, having access to that kind of impact, having a new experience that I didn't have because I've always worked in, in, in chaotic entrepreneurial roles. And when I did work in Fortune 500 companies, they were like low-level operational roles. So that would have been a huge lift. Those reasons have not changed. So I would still go work there. And the other thing is like, is there a way for me to make myself a better candidate? I talked about, one of the things I mentioned was the lack of experience with 
you know, continuous improvement at Six Sigma is that actually like, um, I recently went through a Six Sigma black belt program. And I, and I think that if I was to like face that challenge again, I would answer it very differently. So that's what keeps me coming back. It's a great, it's a great message. I can't resist, but just ask the question even more poignantly in your case, in light of the rejection in the second loop, do you regret turning down the first offer, the offer from the first loop? You know, now that you mention it, that <laughs> question sort like it was asked in a very polite, indirect way, but that question sort of came up in, in, in the second loop. I will say this, I get asked this question, whether indirectly or directly, very often over the last year. I think about it not from a, a standpoint of regret or emotion, but just more of, of strategy and, 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 and analysis. And the answer always comes back the same. I made a decision with the best information I had at the time. So I, I, sh I shouldn't regret it. I mean, that's an Amazonian principle, right? But even with the benefit of hindsight, I, I don't regret it. The reason why I went over there is because I wanted to demonstrate certain skills in an entrepreneurial environment, in a, in a startup. I wanted to be the captain of my own ship. And I wanted to be surrounded by very highly collaborative, very intelligent, very humble people that were lived from all over the world from different walks of life. I mean, the, the thing is, I, I know there was a comment that was made that things didn't work out for me in the program. In a way, things did work out because I, I grew a, a, something in, in the hardware space that I had no experience with beforehand. We made a tremendous amount of progress. We secured LOIs from, from manufacturers. You know, we got great advisors with, with, with very strong backgrounds to help us out to make us introductions into global organizations. And I now have people in my network that are uh, literally holders of Guinness you know, world records and we're rocket scientists. There isn't a week that goes by where I'm not on the phone with at least two of the people from my cohort and two other people from other branches, other cohorts in the, in the Startup Accelerator Network. I want to underscore a couple of things from everything you said, which, which makes complete sense. Those couple of things are one, never feel regretful and two, Amazon will always want to hire someone like you. They always need the capacity and the leadership principles fit and the never say die attitude of someone like you on their team, should you be willing to continue to run up the hill? And it sounds like you are. And if anything else, I mean, it actually now that you keep reinventing yourself and as you mentioned, you keep adding to your arsenal of these both professional experiences and functional certifications and, and improvement, now, if anything, you're becoming eligible for an even more diverse or maybe even more higher level positions than, than the first time around. Maybe now you're applying for an L6 role is going to not feel as daunting as the first time around. Or maybe at some point you can even consider applying for an L7 position. So I, can't, I cannot agree more uh, with the fact that never say die. Amazon will always need people like you, Martin. And uh, as long as you find it in you and, and you have plenty of that that uh, stamina and, and that self-motivation to keep, to keep knocking on the door, good things are gonna happen sooner or later. Last question, now it's your turn to, uh, to pay it forward. What question should I ask the uh, next guest of our podcast? Well, I assume that you're gonna interview someone that they've already received an offer or they've already joined Amazon. I guess my question to them would be this, is anyone who gets into Amazon and, and, and stays there for at least a year, probably has an abundance of competitive options. And so my question to him or her is, if you weren't on Amazon for any reason, either because you left or because you declined their offer, what organization would you want to end up at instead 
and why that organization? That's, that's a great question. I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think we've we've ever looked at it from the other from the from from the different point of view and of uh, what what else is out there other than Amazon because the entire purpose of this program is to help people get into Amazon and another one of the of the of the benefits of, of having you join us today is just giving us this this very different and, and broader perspective. So, Martin, again, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time and and talking to us and uh, very best of luck to you. I, I know good things are going to happen. I appreciate it, Nick, and I appreciate your continued support. Thank you. Great. So, uh, everyone else, all our dear listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Amazon Bound podcast. Please let us know if you liked the episode and please give us any review or any feedback, whether publicly or emailing us. We do appreciate it. Please subscribe to our podcast and best of luck. Stay safe in these uh, difficult days. We'll talk soon. Bye.